Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea Podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because, frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in. If this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service, hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. Oh, that's no, that's not going to do. What's not going to do? How out of focus we are. That's so for those of you who don't know on the video, we were out of focus. Alex snaps his fingers and focuses. That's the official videographer technique. That is what you do. Um, and for those of you who don't watch on video that are podcasty and all those different things. Well, that meant nothing to you. Um, but welcome to the guys. Welcome. Drinking we tea. just dashed from another meeting to this meet to this recording. So. And- before I introduce the subject for the day, I need some opinions. So, Alex, I brought him this tea, <laughs> this tea cup. And if you're podcasting again, so, this will mean nothing. Large, purpley, pinkish flower on this very flowery tea cup, which he got, by the way. Yeah. This is the cup I got him. And then he said, no, I can't use that cup because it's too flowery. And so he goes and gets this other cup. Almost identical flowery. It's not identical. Okay, so the flowers like, are more in the muted tones. Uh-huh. They're more masculine tones. He said, I can't drink out of that other teacup because it's way too he's like I'm I'm too oh he said, I said I'm, I'm too, too macho. I'm too, I'm too macho for that. I say with my long hair and my <laughs> manicured appearance. So anyway, there's enough uh no more fun business because today we are actually going to tell you to sell all your possessions and yeah take so up a life we, of beginning of this thing like we we usually check in and we prepare for this vigorously for about three and a half minutes um and during that i said okay what's what are we trying to communicate to people today to which alex said it's it's about identity and he said and maybe you resonate with this maybe he said one of the reasons it's so hard to find our identity in christ in god is because He's invisible. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, yes. That's sort of, a, maybe you feel that. And we'll talk about that. But then I asked him, okay, so then what are we gonna recommend they do to overcome this challenge? And he just said, sell all your possessions. I was like, all right, fine, let's just start the podcast. So, so let's just start the podcast. Um, so there is a story where Jesus meets a man who comes to him and says, let me follow you, which with some leniency in a first century context, context includes let me place my identity in you let me get involved in what you're doing all of those different things let i'm going to take you jesus and what you teach as the center of everything i am um and and jesus says to him first go sell everything you have the man was very rich it turns out first go and sell everything you have give to the poor uh, and then come follow me um so so that with jesus there is a practice of telling people to do that very difficult thing just go 
sell everything you have and, and give to the poor. So that'll help um, you with your identity and end of show. End of show, done. We, we've been getting complaints that we talk for too long and now we're going to talk for that minimal amount. So I, I, I think... So wait, I just feel like... Like, how serious are you by this sell all your possessions thing? I, I am not saying everyone should go sell all the possessions but i think but that's what you said uh, sorry no, i'm being no, no. such i'm so combative today what what's my deal i said said it was a joke uh, somewhat of a joke it might not be a joke for everybody but mm, I, I think yeah so so i do think what i said was not not that it's hard to place our identity in god because he's invisible i said because he's intangible uh. um and and that that could be a semantic thing but but i think there are so many things that for us are visible and tangible so so those become the things that we 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 place our identity in uh, e even when you think about something like you can place your identity in where you're from i i i'm wrestling with this a little bit at the moment because don't let the cat out of the bag okay, i'm british in case you didn't realize in case i hadn't talked about it enough uh, and so i um I actually have to decide in the next couple of months, do I do my citizenship? Do I become American? Now I can still be British, I can keep both, but there is a lessening. Or do I just re-up my green card and say, hey, I'm a missionary living in foreign lands? Um, which which do I do? <laughs> um, and, and so that identity, while, while Britishness is maybe a little bit intangible, Every time I get back onto British soil, there is a tangibleness of like, I feel like I'm stepping into home. Right now the queen is sick and and um, and there's a possibility she may pass away. There's a loss there. Like the, there's, a, there's a feeling of relationship. And then when something happens that's very mm. British, I feel a distance. So there's a, there's a tangibleness to all of those things, even something that you might get, get identity in, like, like being from a specific nation. Mm. Um, we, we can show off the family we can show off the car we can show off the house it's there and it's bricks and it's mortar or it's wheels and it's metal and it's it's people and so when we say place your identity in god only which which for those of you that weren't there on sunday that was the language we kind of landed on like your identity only belongs in jesus nothing else and the phrase you used is this idea of you know partially coming out of henry nowen's comments but it's some some of the language you used is this you are a beloved child you are a beloved child uh -huh. you are a beloved child that's sort of the language in in henry now in context is uh, you know from the baptism story right you're yeah i'm well pleased but but that so so that if you could if you if we can take that as an ideal say that's where we should get to that's where we want our identity to land like that's what we'll, what that's that's our hope think about all the other things you can place identity in and, and when is it ever enough like i don't know that it ever is i don't know that you ever get to a place with other things and say that's enough for me there's a suggestion from henry nowen if you can land on this as your identity everything else pales into comparison you can rest in that space but but i think when i think about other things that I might put identity in. I, I bought my first house when I was 37. I was pretty late actually. And it's, uh, I mean, I mean, I would never, it's Denver, so it's expensive. It, it's Highlands Ranch anyway, like expensive place to live. So I bought a half a million dollar house. I would never have thought that I would buy a house for that much money. 
And yet quite often I'll see other houses and be like, oh, that's a nicer house than my house. Like that's a bigger house than my house. That's a whatever house than my house. And uh, and so you think about like that weird, like switch, the, the thing that you thought you would never do is now potentially not enough, if that's your identity. Anyway, the, there's a saying like, what's a, fa a millionaire's favorite million that he makes? Uh, and the answer is the next one. Uh, it's the next one. It's like, there's always another thing, always another stack of cash to throw in the pile. Um, so I suspect that there's probably two different kinds of listeners out there. One, they're still, they still are maybe skeptical of our premise that yeah. these other identities won't satisfy. Like they're head on pursuing some sort of identity. They may not even consciously say it that way, whether it's career mm -hmm. or education uh -huh. or money mm -hmm. or fitness mm -hmm. or what else could we name? And they're like, if I can achieve this level of something in this identity space, then I will be satisfied. Then there's others out there who like right off the bat, they're right with us. Like I've been there, I've done that. I tried this, I tried this, I tried this. And it all, maybe I'm even in the middle of it. Like I'm in the middle of the career that I always mm -hmm. wanted, making amounts of money that I had only imagined. And it's still not satisfactory. Mm -hmm. Speak to that first group a little bit. C convince them that it's a dead end. <laughs> and, and it's so so so. What the two? Pop there's, their bubble. There's, yeah, let's <laughs> so, get let's get so a needle. Over. So there's two possibilities, right? Um, there's, there's a possibility that you can convince someone that that's not possible. Like you could say, like look anecdotally find me a piece of evidence of in your own life or somebody else's life of someone who's genuinely achieved something and said, now I am happy or now I am complete or now my identity is secure. It, it just anecdotally, it's, it's not true. Like the, the number of people that you read that are rich and famous, the two things that we, we crave, I think, and, and there's this actually interesting shift. Um, there was a poll recently, they took a bunch of kids coming up in this generation, probably under our generation, but before our kids' generation, and they gave them some words and said, which of these are important to you? And the percentage to which fame has increased as the goal is is incredible compared to 20, 30, 40, 50 years Thank ago. Thank you, TikTok, that, yeah, YouTube. TikTok, YouTube, all these different things. You can get your 15 minutes. You can be famous for being famous. Um, like like that that that's now a reality I want my and now career a desire it to be that I'm awesome. Yeah, everyone knows absolutely. about it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the the fact that you can now have someone like Justin Bieber who became who he is because of a YouTube video, um, or something similar, he did a recording and it just blew up. Suddenly, he's on talk shows at seven years old. Um, so so find those people. Uh, or look at those people and find any of them that are honestly expressing genuine rest in identity. And it just doesn't exist. Like Russell Brand is a great example, like became a huge, and he, he talks through his journey into fame uh, and what that looked like. And he said the moment he knew he was, was famous was some of his friends went to a Smith's concert. I don't know if Smith's really made it over here. They were huge and in England, but he went to it and the, Morrissey does his bit where he introduces all the band and um, he introduces his drummer, guitarist, and then instead of saying, and I'm Morrissey, he says, and I'm Russell Brand. 
And he said, all his friends started texting him. It was this moment of, you're genuinely famous now. And he said he had this moment where it really meant a lot. He was like, Morrissey knows who I am. This is a big deal. And then there was this moment where he was like, yeah. Oh, like that, that, that doesn't actually mean anything. Um, and so he's gone through this big, you might almost call it a deconstruction. He threw away his phone and got a new one and a new number. And he only saved like 10, 10 phone numbers. And it's like all these rich and famous people that knew who I was. What if they've been calling me? What if Spielberg's been calling saying, do you want to play this role or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, he's realized the, the emptiness of it. And so both the yeah, lack and that's of a story that you that we've over and seen over told over and over. But before we continue, I just have to point out that Alex just spilled his tea. Yeah, and last week he promised that a Brit would never <laughs> spill tea. I, I couldn't help. I, I mean, I I know that that's a completely deviating from the flow of thought it's that fine. we may never recover we from. We might it. never. But I just feel so much better. I spilled tea last week, and he mocked me incessantly. And, and, and of course, when I said it last week, it was a lie. I know. And, <laughs> so, so um, yeah. but like the story of like Miley Cyrus, of Justin Bieber, of you name it, these characters, these um, become characters, right? They they have this season of like youthful fame. They rise, they go off the deep end, and they like all these stories about what they're up to mm-hmm. and the crazy wacky things that they do with their money and their fame and all this stuff and then usually there's like some sort of circling back to something core uh ish yeah but they're always like a broken shattered something of themselves and like they may come back and make it big in the scene or whatever but there's always like this weird journey of like trying to figure out what in the world yeah I am. so so th- so there what what i'm intrigued by that and i don't have an answer to this maybe you do always. so i i would suggest that somewhere the the idea central to the the passage of and we use i use that quote that klein snodgrass quote uh, quote if scripture is trying to give us an identity and it very much is it's very much pushing this for, for the Old Testament, when the, they were given the law, really it was an identity thing. This is what God's people looked like. They look like people that do these things. In the, in the New Testament, it's very much, this is what the people of Jesus look like. Uh, and there's all of these different markers for that, but, but it's people that are rooted in, in Jesus as the, the source and the center of everything. Um, so I think that's the the argument of, of the, the whole of scripture. Like this is this is what you need to place your identity in. Um, I, I'm intrigued for those people that are not sure that's true, which I, I can totally understand. Are there some things that are better than others to put your identity in? So we've talked about fame for a little bit. Somewhere there seems to be some very famous people, some very rich people that may not be followers of Jesus, but have grounded themselves in something that seems better than nothing like even perhaps family is one of those things mm-hmm. you see those, those those people that you know they 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 may be on stage and made all these things and they go happily back to their wife and two kids and their dog and their house and and it seems like there's something better at least there maybe than than just nothing mm. but even that thing will disappear eventually and can't be relied on completely the kids will move out the dog will die all of those different things will eventually happen. And, and so somewhere there's a loss of identity when that takes place. I think maybe the the beautiful thing about the Jesus-centered identity, it's the only thing that doesn't disappear on you. It's, it's literally untouchable. Oh. 
nothing in this world, nothing in the spiritual world can take that away from you. Yeah. Yes. What else in what else in the universe can mm-hmm. we say uh, is like that? Yeah, I think that I think that's fascinating. So, so I'm I'm not sure. Like, I think there's probably bad, better, best somewhere. Like, there's, I, I there's think probably... I think so. And actually, even if you're if, if you're that character that's sort of like, no, I'm not convinced. I do at least I want to try. Mm-hmm. I know a million other people have yeah, tried yeah. to find their identity and career and failed, but I'm gonna give my best shot. Yes. If if that's still where you are, if you actually zoom back out and just look at even the even Hollywood, mm-hmm. Hollywood's portrayal of the the millionaire making it all up, like they're the villain, mm-hmm. even in Hollywood, mm-hmm. even if the characters acting these parts out are l- trying to live into that dream. Yes. The person who makes it all about the fame and not about the friendship, all about the the career rather than about the family. Like those are the villains in Mm. Hollywood movies. Like there is an intuition, even in our very humanity and souls that, that have guided humanity to know this on a, on a silver screen. Mm -hmm. We know that that's the bad guy. And then ask yourself, am I that guy? Am I the guy? Yeah. Yeah. So, so then there's the step beyond that, I think probably somewhere, which is to ground in, in things that are somewhat healthy. There's the, the movie, big fish, you and McGregor's character in that he's, He's this wonderful storyteller, got all of these things that he tells as his great stories. And they're all somewhat got a basis in truth, but they're enlarged. But his his son, as an adult grown up, is convinced his father had this this love affair with another woman that wasn't his mother. And he actually goes and hunts her down because he's like, my father was a philanderer, he was a traveler, he was all of these different things. And so, so he finally tracks this woman down. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter is the actress and he says to her, you know, so I know you and my father had this thing. And she looks at him and she says, oh, no, if only. I would have loved that. But the problem was to your father, there were only two women in the world, your mother and everybody else. Um, and it, it just like somewhere this guy, this larger than life character with all of the riches that he'd acquired through his work, through all of the experiences that had had grounded very much in, no, I am a man who loves one woman. Uh, and that was his identity. So, so... I would suggest somewhere, yes, there's probably a better-ness to that than than the, the identity of, I'm going to sleep with as many people as possible, I'm going to make as much money as possible and spend it on all the things that give me some vague sense of pleasure, all those different things. And yet even that, that, that marriage at some moment, there'll be the moment where one person's there and the other person's not anymore. Yes. That, that's this inevitability. Yeah, I agree. I think there is a scale, and I think we could take a way too long of a podcast to try and define what that scale is biblically of what even completely apart from Christ, if you were to find your identity in some things, there may be, there's lesser evils than others, so, but they so, all um, are empty and they're all grounded in a, in entropy, in the world's coming apart, people are pass away, relationships yes. change. Um, you be, your age happens and Absolutely. suddenly your kids move away. All of these things still have access to wreck your identity. Absolutely, yes. So the, the, the illustration I used at some point, and I think I stole it off another pastor at some point, but, but was a, of a bubble maker. The, the, it produces all of these bubbles. You know, those electric ones you set going with the batteries and it just fires bubbles yeah. off into the air. There's some bubbles that might be more noble than others or seem to be, but they are all still bubbles. 
-hmm. and my wife is a bubble and my kids are bubbles and my house is a bubble and all of those different things and and somewhere there's the bubble maker which is central um, and somewhere in the illustration that reflects God and that's the only thing that that lasts so, so there's, and I also think there's this weird insidious danger to the noble identity if we can characterize it as yes that. I wanted to get to that 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 like the, the the guy who or the girl that does all of the stuff we just characterized as you know I'm going off all over the place doing all of these different things I just do whatever I want the Russell Brand type guy eventually that person has the potential to wake up and say huh this is this is a mess and I desperately need the thing that grounds the thing that the identity can rest on he, he, he even suggests in one of his books um everyone has an addiction to something mm-hmm. i'm just so broken i'm going to figure out what my addiction is far earlier than you're going to figure out what yours is so you the the passage that alex preached out if you weren't there was was the prodigal son story mm-hmm. and um i want to i want to get to that and talk what you're while only doing 30 minutes which is exactly just 10 minutes which is exactly, but I also kind of want to get into some of our own personal stories mm-hmm. and wrestlings with identity because I think that that would be helpful for people to hear. But you talked about this, so what you just said, Russell Brand was like the prodigal, right? The, the, yeah, the younger son, yeah, he's the. But you also referenced the elder son and you didn't have a ton of time to unpack this whole world Ooh. there, but that's what you're talking about. The elder son is the commendable one he's the one that stayed with the father he's the mm-hmm. one that worked the fields yeah he's the one who didn't do the bad thing mm-hmm. and that was his identity and at the end of the story ironically he's sort of the villain mm-hmm. because he there's a or there's a cliffhanger will he go into the party and celebrate his lost brother and so who has the which son has the advantage at the end of that story the broken one who knows it definitely yeah. Not the one who's like, I'm awesome. I'm the better son. I and was I in don't... the fields all day making it happen. I'm, this estate is built on my hard work. He's yeah, yeah. So like dipping into my own story a little bit between my brother and I, in some ways we are we've lived the prodigal son ah. uh, story in some ways. And like my brother had some seasons of his life where he wasn't doing the things that he always should do. Mm. And then I was always the glory boy. Like, I'm going to go to Bible college. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do it. You got that aura of glory boy. Parents, tell me what to do and I'll do it. I was that kid. But in my soul, I was rotting in the sense that I was still, I was wrapped up in self-righteousness. I was wrapped up in pride. I was wrapped up in all these things. And, and, um, because my I surrounded myself with Christian people, the activities that I did to please them looked really, really oh, good you, yeah. on the outside. But I had motivations mm. that were still driven by brokenness yeah. and sin and pride and arrogance and pursuit of power, all of these different things. And then in different ways, God broke me and then broke my brother and when we came back I was like he's actually further out in front of me wow in many ways because he's like I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I need Jesus and so when I look at his life he just has a more honest perspective about his own character and stuff and he and he just knows Mm. it took me a long time to even recognize 
I need Jesus mm -hmm. because I was killing it without him. Yes. Oh, that's such a good phrase. <laughs> what about what and, about and I was so I, I think I would say I fit more into I don't know that I have the direct comparison with with brothers. Like my brother is I think he would and I would both say he's probably a bit more cynical in his thinking at times than I am. Um, so he's the suspicious one. Yeah. And I'm the I'm the optimist. Like I'm all, I'm always like the glass isn't half full. Like the glass is overflowing. Like, you know, and, and, and my, my brother's a little bit more like, are you sure there's a glass? Like, they're just, we have that tendency That's between so us. Um, That's great. So, so we, we really love each other. We're not the most similar in some of our thinking. And then yet we are in some of our, like, love of humor and different things. So we've got some similarities there. He was the one that would always be more questioning, I think. And I was the more the the one on the surface that looked like he was just yes yes yes. But I was I was a bit more sneaky. I think I had all of these different things going on in different parts of my world. I, I lived very much the duplicitous life. I felt like I was the one still sitting in church. You at looked 16. like the elder. Yeah child, yeah, but yeah yeah yeah. That could answer all the questions, um, mm. but was really just waiting to go hang out with friends who were going off drinking or whatever, or just you know. So I, I think I I was a little bit more. It gave me some awareness of how broken I was when I got, so I went through that real phase that your brother went through, it sounds like, of just like, oh man, I'm a mess. Um, I, I wonder if there's even grace for someone who's had a chance at grace and just really just treated it as nothing. Mm. Um, so I, I went through a bunch of stuff with that. And that, that was a really hard identity shift for me. Um, th th there was this sort of sort of question of, I believe that God loves people that are broken, but does he love people that were supposed to be mended and went out and broke themselves and, and now want to be fixed again? Like, can the prodigal, do, that's, the, that's the question of grace, right? Can the prodigal do the same thing again and still find grace? Um, what, yeah. what happens if after everything in the story, he's like, he, goes to the, he goes to the older brother, he's like, hey, can I have some of your money now? And off he goes. So um, right, you can't ask the question and not try and answer it. No, what do you mean? It's my, yeah, I asked the question. This is your question to answer. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so so I, 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 think, I think the scandal of grace is, is that, that, that yes, he can. Um, that, that somewhere Jesus says to Peter, 70 times seven. Um, yeah, and even in, in the book of Romans, like, Paul has this little bit, shall we go on and sinning that grace may abound? May it never be. But I think embedded in the fact that Paul had to write that. Mm -hmm. He said, if if your grace isn't big enough that you're like, huh, maybe I could. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, if yeah. that's not your perspective of grace, is that if you've never asked yourself, maybe I could just do whatever I want and I'd still get forgiven, then your grace probably isn't big enough. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To demand yeah. that next question. And, and, and one of the questions I used to ask myself is when people here heard me preach, Paul pushes it almost to the point of saying, like he's not, no one could accuse him of saying it's better that we sin all the more that grace may abound. If he wasn't coming somewhere close to saying something like that, I mean, he's, he's, he's getting like pretty far out there. And I always would ask myself, would people hear that from me? Yeah. Um, so, so I think, and I, I had this tension moment and, and maybe that's someone listening, who knows? I, in trying to, return feeling like i was being pulled back towards jesus started reading the bible and 
would come across phrases in like in Hebrews chapter six, chapter eleven, like if if once you've known grace and sinned and, yeah. and, and, and just feel this terror. And it actually took me some serious maturity to to get to a point of saying, what is the writer trying to do there? Is his goal to make people feel like they might have sinned to a point of of hopelessness? Or or is his goal to say, show that you're not those people? Like show show that you are like choose the right the right pathway so so there was a peacefulness that came over me then eventually of just realizing yeah i i was a a teenager that understood a lot of the the technicals but had never really experienced grace Mm -hmm. um now i i wonder there's the semantics of could people do the same could the prodigal do the same again the implication of the story is the grace he receives is so good and so so dramatic that that seems unlikely in the story. Totally. Um, and yet, the, I think there's always space. And yeah, we are, if, we're, if we're honest, if I'm honest, there's been times where I'm like, man, I might have reached 70 times 70. <laughs> yeah. And, and I have, a, I have um, a, a guy that I went to, to church with years ago, and he was a, an ex-drug addict, and I remember him telling me, well, and it was a big shift for him. He went to a funeral of a guy that he'd been through rehab with, and um, the guy had died with a needle in his arm after the rehab, after the after preaching, after all the different things. And he said, I went to the funeral and the, the guy leading it was talking about it's wonderful, now he's at peace, now he's with Jesus, all of these different things. And I, he said, I went up to the guy afterwards and said, do you think that's true? He went back to drugs, he went back to those things. And, and he said, um, and he said, my friend looked at me and said, like, he made a mistake, treat it for what it is, like trust in grace. Um, and I was like, that that for him was a big learning thing, I think, of in, in his own life maybe of there's no room for mistakes anymore. That's no way to live. There's no way to live like so fearful. That That's the passage I used at the end of this week, I think. Like, the, yeah. fe- the, there is no fear in love. And I think that that's also the Paul's argument in Romans when he talks about this extreme grace is he's, I think he's, part of what he's trying to do is get at is... It, the invitation of the scriptures towards righteousness and right living and all those sorts of things, they're invitations to greater avenues of wholeness and and thriving as human beings. Um, because of the cross and because of grace, the whole like, where do I get to, do I have to go to the hot place or the, mm-hmm. cool, the better, you know, that's off the table Yeah, because of the cross. But then there's a whole bunch of other things that um, in life that are invitations to, to grow and to be to to access the goodness of the kingdom mm-hmm. of God and all those sorts of things so um, uh, a couple more comments as we wrap up uh, or a couple questions because um, I still think we've not really covered that other category like the, the, you started with the two categories what if you like I desperately want to not put my identity yeah, in those okay. things what do I do um, okay uh, and I, and, I, and I'm other, asking you the question, that question. The other category being that I've been there and I've tried, I've found yeah. that it's empty. I want my identity to be in, to be in Jesus, but all these other things just just keep coming up. Like, what do that? What does that person do? Tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, I think it's helpful. I, one, it's helpful. I think as a diagnostic tool to recognize that everything you do stems from the identity that you're choosing. Mm. Identity 
is the engine in your body and mm-hmm. in your soul that makes you do things. Mm. And so you, one, that's just a helpful thing to help you diagnose what my identity is in. Mm. And if you're like, like one great way I, I see this in my own life is when I get really angry at something, I'm like, ah, there's actually an identity in me that's being threatened. Oh yeah. And therefore I'm angry trying to protect my identity in some way, shape or form. Um, and as, as you do that throughout your life and your walk with Jesus, I think then you start to realize that the only one that's untouchable and the invitation is how do you, how do you get out of this vicious cycle is you realize that nothing you do or say nothing like no, no matter how awesome you are or how terrible you are can touch the reality of what of who god says mm. you are yeah i um, love that so so i think my my sort of thing that i would place alongside that is i recognize for me a lot of the other identity pieces they can be driven by vanity quite a lot which which is broadly what other people think about you yeah. So I remember I had this moment. It was really weird. Um, I, I was, when, whenever we go up to the lake, I love driving boats and I'd love to be a really great boat. I don't boat driver. I don't know why. Like I just like, and I really want my kids to be really great boat drivers. There's such thing as a good boat driver? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just, All right, carry kind on. Of complicated. I don't right, want to get know? off the rails, but yeah. I have questions I just, about I just that. Love, but... I just love driving boats and I love like, a, yeah, I just, and I was watching my kids start to drive for the first time. Um, and I was like, I really want them to be really great boat drivers too. And I was like, why? Why do I think that matters at all? Spe- specifically for them. And, and I, I said, is there like a suspicion for me that them being able to do that well reflects well on me somewhere? That they had a father that would teach them how to do something like that? And, and I'm like, that, that, it was just this weird like foray into just exploring the brokenness that all of us have in different ways. I'm taking a really stupid example kind of intentionally because there's probably some more fundamental things that I don't want to own to maybe. Um, Yeah, let's talk about, no, I'm just joking. (laughs) Maybe one one that I am willing to go is I think we all want our kids to be good looking. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the question is why? And and the, the 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 answer is maybe well because people find them attractive because they'll have advantages in life that go along with being good looking because that's a reality like it goes with promotion it goes with all these different things it like uh, and yet is it possible that actually having looks is a really damaging thing in some ways that actually can cause some real problems that we don't acknowledge at times. Um, and so I think there is something about us that we we long for certain things for our kids, and, and I'm always curious as to why. And I think vanity is just this almost unspoken big thing in in the lives of followers of Jesus yeah. that we rarely get to because we're so busy talking about so many other things. And yeah, I just wonder how many of that is how it's much one of, of the that seven is the deadly sins. It it is, and and I just yeah, yeah. I, and and I'm someone who's willing to wrestle with it. Like I, totally. I, I quite often will ask myself, like, you know, why does it matter to me how I th- people think I dress or all those different things? Jesus seems like he's not interested in those things, and yet for three years is compelling to people and and transformative in their lives in a yeah. way that's so much longer lasting. 
Um, for three years, his identity is firmly rooted in "I am a beloved child." Um, now, the the, the 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 it seems like the the alternative to that is just to become gently a weirdo, like to just suddenly walk out the house looking like you didn't even you got dressed in the dark essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like just uh, and you stop cleaning your teeth because who needs teeth, or you stop washing because who needs to wash. So so I'm sure there's a balancing point there somewhere. But I'm just curious as to what gives us identity and, and here, how much of it links to that deeper thing. Gosh, at the risk of going a little over, um, I think that the irony of some of those decisions between like, okay, we shouldn't care about our appearance and then going off the deep end that way. Yeah. Like I'd never wash anymore. And, or we, the most important thing is what Jesus, you know, there, yeah. there is this pendulum that could happen. But the weird thing is like, okay, as a self-confessing elder brother, uh-huh. um, the weird thing is like a lot of the activities, when my soul was driven by the praise of the righteous people around me, I did a lot of activities that looked really good to the Christian world. Mm. And then as God started to unroot that, that idolatry and that wrong motive, that wrong identity for me, I went, first of all, it's a very, you get a lot of good stuff mm -hmm. done. Yeah, yeah, I did a lot yeah, of really yeah. good stuff with yeah. that terrible motivation And there's in probably me. some good like stuff that you do now that's only possible because of all that Absolutely. stuff as well. Absolutely. So there was a season where I was like, I've taken one engine out of my soul and I've yet to put a new one in and I just didn't have any motivation. Wow. And I was like, so what am I gonna, and I knew the right one. I wanted to be in him. But the irony is, for some people, if they don't know me super well and they're just observing my life from a distance, nothing changed. Hmm. Some of the activities are oh, identical. Wow. But like I, you know, or for the example you just gave, like someone who's like, well, my, my physical appearance isn't my most important thing anymore. I'm still gonna get up and shower. Why? Because it's respectful to certain mm. people because I want to I want to participate in a well-functioning society and, and stuff. Mm. But my motivation is to be engaging with people, not be off-putting, or you, you may just find a different mm. engine yeah. that, that drives you to do those activities than you used to have. And I think that's the weird thing about this whole thing of identity yeah. is it may look on the outside identical, but the inside is so much more life-giving and joyful and that. less pressure. It's more like, yeah, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna do the right thing, not because I need their praise, but I'm gonna do it because I actually like to. So, so somewhere it feels like a healthy step for all of us um, is how to phrase this. It's to invite Jesus into the conversation um, each and every day. I, I was intrigued, I saw some pictures recently of, of an untouched tribe encountering Westerners for the first time. Hmm. And, and they took photos. And I was watching how those people posed for photos. And what was incredible is they didn't pose for photos. The guys stood with like their pot bellies just kind of hanging out. There was no like tightening the abs. They didn't smile. They just stared like peacefully yeah. at the camera. Th there was a a complete, they were living true to themselves in front of the camera, whereas we pose for the camera. Um, and somewhere I think there's so much in our life that is posing for the world 
Um, and, and somewhere Jesus invites us into a conversation between he and us mm. that is more internal uh, and more questioning around, well, why? Why do I feel like I need this? Why is this so important to me? And, and I think that's always, to me, the thing I come back to as beautiful about the Jesus journey is that, that so many of us treat that as he's just really interested in you fixing this and getting it all figured out. Uh, and yet, in actual fact, the Jesus that we come across in, in Scripture is, is one who longs to walk with us in, in the journey, who may ask hard things at times, yeah. may say, give all your stuff and, and give it to the poor. Yeah. Uh, but but he's, he's inviting us into this process. So, so even just a prayer that begins, God, I am deeply suspicious that I have identity in so many other things. I long for that to be in you you and I are going to have to work on that together. Totally. Seems like a starting point. Totally. Um, yeah. That, that is good and healthy. Great. And who knows what else, who, who knows what I'll show you? Like maybe, maybe I'm going to have to go give away some stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Um, who knows? Or you may start doing similar things, but from a totally different soul yeah. perspective. Um, yeah. And, and, and if note. you feel called to give away your, your, all your money, well, Alex is volunteering. <laughs> Alex is volunteering to be on the receiving end. <laughs> it's got to go somewhere. <laughs> and on that note, on <laughs> that note, thanks for joining us, everyone. Yeah, thank you all. Uh, comment, like. If you have questions, if you've wrestled with these yourself, let yeah. us know. Oh, there was actually some comments that were really, really insightful oh, from our were? last episode. Yes. I, um, some. I just love that. We don't have time to go into them now, but thank you for commenting, for being so thoughtful. I love that. Yeah, so. brilliant. Love it. Bye. Thanks. Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this, so feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing, and we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.